Hello and welcome to Business Meets Coast, a podcast by me, Sophie Morley. And me, Stephen Bride. Join us as we interview various businesses, industry leaders, innovators, entrepreneurs, startups and business mentors to get insight, advice and funny stories from people who have been through it all before. Let's do this. And welcome to another episode of Business Meets Coast podcast. Uh, I'm Stephen Bride, your host. And again, we have the lovely Sophie Morley. Hello, hello, Stephen, and hello, everybody. With a focus on creating disruptive... Disruptive. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very disruptive way to use English language. It's almost like you're Canadian. With a focus on creating disruptive... Disruptive? Disruptive. Technology and building a community focused on stewardship and excellence, Jason Toves... Taves. Taves. (laughs) I think we started again. Led community. Think- well, just let me get. I got this. Is a lot of. Okay. Jason Taves has mentored and led companies across the globe, from Kansas boy f- to web designer to mathematician. There's been a unique global first vision to his endeavors throughout the last ten years. Currently, he serves as the chief technology officer for Analyst Alice Alice Analytics and co-founder of Instacrap. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's Instacap. No R. What's Alice again? Silent? What is this Alice. one again? Alice. Alice Analytics and co founder of Instacap, the soon to be launched Instacap, focusing on helping creatives share their stories faster or while giving them back more time to do what they love all the way from Kansas. Did you actually fly here from Kansas? Yes, so Kansas to Phoenix to LA, then to Brisbane. And we hopped in a car with a friend and drove on up. Nice. No uh, personal helicopter rides. And what is your connection to the Sunshine Coast? So my mom actually grew up in Stanthorpe, and uh, her parents bought a unit here on the Sunshine Coast when it was our like early days uh, in development. So um, we're fortunate to still have that place here, and we come back every year because we just love it. We're very lucky to have you back here every year on the Sunshine Coast. Well, thank you. So, Jason, your bio is pretty impressive and very <laughs> varied. So, in your words, do you want to just give us a bit of um, background into your you and journey. your business yes, sure. journey? Yeah, so um, what we're working on right now has really just been a, a culmination of a lot of different things, like you said. Um, I started off on the farm, um, got to learn hard work, thanks dad and mom, um, and uh, then went, uh, went into school, obviously, for mathematics. But with that, I found a love for design and content creation. And one of my first, actually, one of the first entrepreneurial things that I did out of college was start a web design company, which I ran for years and years and years, and um, learned a ton about automating processes and the impact that that can really give to a small business that operates around the globe. And with that, I, I learned the value of telling a story as well. And that kind of really what drives what my vision and my why today um, and has led to uh, Instacap and the amazing team that I work with now 
uh, right there in Wichita, Kansas. Awesome. So Instacap is about to launch and it uses artificial intelligence. Yeah. Now, I am not a tech head. So if you can just explain in simple terms for someone like me, what artificial intelligence is. Sure. So when you think about artificial intelligence, it really is just an automation of a mental process that we do as humans. So imagine if I asked you guys to make me a hundred paper airplanes, right? You know how to do that. And perhaps we could build a machine that would fold the paper airplanes for us. Well, now imagine if I asked you to tell me the subject of a sentence. It's a little bit harder and it's a mental process that we go through based off of our understanding of the English English language and that's much more difficult to teach to a computer. Um, and so AI is the process of, of doing something like that. So teaching a computer, when we say something or when we're speaking, these are actually the words that we're saying because all a computer sees is ones and zeros. And so we're taking the sound that we're putting into a microphone and trying to translate that into a word. And then once we know what that word is, we have to know what does that word mean? What does that word mean in relationship to the words around it? And then ultimately you can take it deeper and deeper and deeper. So that's like the core of the technology of what we do is when somebody records content, um, whether it's the audio or the video component, like we're helping define what that is and so for Instacap, it's transcribing what you say. So we have to figure out what those words are and then put them in the right point in the video um, to save that to the video as a caption. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And that's, yeah, because I've heard that like, yeah, teaching a robot or an AI to do some like one specific thing is actually quite easy mm-hmm. and then it can get really good at it. Like the example I heard was a chess, yep. chess game. Yep. Like they can get really good, they can beat humans. Yeah. But teaching them, yeah, like the English, like you're saying, like all the different, like how much harder is that? Yeah, I mean, so the the one thing, um, it's it's the uh, specific AI versus the generalized AI. Right. So we haven't got a generalized AI yet. No one's built that. Right. Um, and that's where your AI can transcribe for you, drive your car, and cook you food at home all at the same time. Um, it's like having another human. And um, we're probably quite a ways away from that still. Um, But when it comes to just doing the English language, like that's actually not as difficult as it might think. Um, There's been so much research over the years. uh, And and of course, all the big tech players, right? The Googles, the Facebooks, the Amazons of the world have done a lot to like build some really good starting points uh, for anyone wanting to build their own transcription AI. So... Uh, wow. There's a lot that you can kind of build off of instead yeah. of starting from scratch. And in, in AI, the most important resource is data, uh, meaning we need to have a data set of audio files that we know exactly what all the words are and at what points in that audio file. Because right. then we can take that and tell the computer when it guesses, you know, you said this versus that, um, we can actually tell the, tell the computer what the right word was, and that's how it learns. Yeah. Do you use, um, like, do you just, like, with the whole teaching process, do you, like, just give it books to read or do you, like, movies? What does it learn better, books or movies? 
Good question. Um, I, li- I, we personally like to uh, just feed um, social media content to ours. Okay. Um, because it helps shape what we're really going to be using it for. Yeah. Um, and as long as we know what the actual words are, um, it helps us build a better product. Yeah, I just say that because I was the generation where, um, yeah, we didn't read the book we just watched the movie just and go then, watch the movie yeah. and then you missed out on all the good we still learn all the same things <laughs> spark notes that's why i heard um people getting ais to just read through tons and tons of books and i'm just like that's insane it's yeah, very boring think, for the think, ai think of it as like a little child as a computer yeah. program right how do you teach a child how to talk you just keep saying things over and over and over when it points to this thing you say that's an apple Right? Mm-hmm. And eventually it learns. Um, and it's very similar with a computer program, although it just happens so much faster. Like what what mm-hmm. a human could take years to learn, we can teach a computer program overnight. Yeah. yeah. Do you have some um, examples or case studies of how AI is applied in the business world? Like how, how it helps? As you said, it's like a, it's an order. It helps with automation. Absolutely. So, um, and, and even further than the business world, like it's already all around us. And AI has really just gained popularity in the last several years because of some of the advances in the hardware uh, that we have had. And it allows AI to feel a lot more robust and uh, integrated. Whereas before it was a little bit like on the edge. So we as normal people didn't really get engaged with it. Um, But when you think of like Amazon Alexa, Siri, Mm -hmm. uh, Google Assistant, that's all AI. And um, even when you think about five years ago, just going onto Amazon or going onto an online shopping portal for a big distributor, a big company, the the photos that they show you, the images that they're showing you on their website are all determined by algorithms in the background because they know who you are. Mm. And so when you come Mm. from Facebook to Amazon and Amazon shows you a picture of shoes that your friend has in a photo on their Facebook page that you're also in that photo with, like it's because, and I don't know that specifically, that's exactly how (laughs) they're doing it, but um, it's the same principle, right? So they're, they're taking an image and contextualize it and saying like, oh, there's some shoes in this image that we also sell, so why don't we serve that up to that person when they log on Amazon yeah. as a product that they should buy? Yeah. So it's all around us. So how long has it been so how long has artificial intelligence been around? Like I mean, conceptually it's been around I think since the seventies actually. Oh, wow. So it's been around for a while, but we haven't had the computing power to make mm. it um, to really see the leaps and bounds, um, I mean, really, it's just been the last five five years or so um, when neural networks um, and deep learning, which are very particular parts of AI, um, really started to take off, and that's because we had the computing power and the speed to do it. Hmm. Yeah, so does it take a lot of computing power? Like, Because I looked into um, mining Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and... This is like a whole side conversation, but I was like, oh, I got a laptop's not doing anything. Maybe you could mine some Bitcoin. And you really look into it. And if you really want to 
get into mining if spend thousands of dollars yeah. with a specific setup and it's going to cost you you know hundreds of dollars a month in electricity yeah so is it a similar setup for ai like does it the computing power cost yeah. you electricity and yeah and and the most expensive part of it is the training of the ai yeah. um so if you think about it in a sense like you train an AI to learn to do something, and then once it's trained, it knows how to repeat that process to a degree of accuracy. So for example, in like um, like a transcription service like ours, um, we can feed it a whole bunch of um, audio files and tell it what the transcriptions are, and once it's learned how to transcribe the English language, uh, we feed it a new uh, audio file or video file that it doesn't know um, and we say, what did this person say? And it'll get the words right uh, above 90%, um, oh. but there's still a margin of error uh, in terms of, you know, having like, you know, the, the that instead of cap or, you know, words that may rhyme or the, the um, mnemonics are, are kind of similar. So uh, in terms of computing power, once you've trained an AI, it doesn't necessarily need lots of computing power because it's just running kind of its process yeah. um, but to figure out what that process is it takes a, a lot of data a fairly long period of time and um, it can use a ton of computing processes uh, in that time and funny you use bitcoin because uh, some of the best ways to um, build and train ai is with the same graphics cards um, that you use for bitcoin <laughs> so how how long does it take like on average to train um, yeah, I mean, it's you're always training, so you're always building the next version, the next model to be a little bit better. So I think training for any AI is going to be ongoing. Mm. Uh, I think you can get to something that gives you, like, really good results uh, depending on what you're after in, I mean, even a few weeks' worth of work if it's something simple. Um, so if you ever get into trying to learn how to build AI, one of the first um, projects that you're likely to do is try and predict the uh, sale price of a house within a given market. Mm -hmm. um, and you use the training data of what are the last 100,000 houses that sold within their mar within this market, what were their prices, and then you try and say, okay, a two-bedroom, two-bathroom house will sell for about 450000 um, and then you look back at what that price really was, and it was three hundred eighty-five. Okay, we're close, but not close okay. enough. And then it keeps iterating on that. So um, that kind of project you could do in a weekend, um, or you could do something super complex. And like what we've been working on, it took several months for us to uh, to get a kind of a base level algorithm that we we're yeah. happy with. So, mm. so. Is AI actually going to take away jobs and replace it with this technology, like certain jobs in the future? Like, is that something that we need to be concerned with? Uh, I think the short answer is yes. Um, and people don't necessarily want to hear that or say that from the side of the microphone. But um, with that, I think it's going to value add. Uh, and what I mean by is the jobs that we do lose to AI are the jobs that are highly repetitive and monotonous. Mm. Um, and it's going to create a space for more jobs uh, in terms of supporting the infrastructure to carry the AI. Um, and it's also going to create more value in us as humans, right? So if you think about like McDonald's, right? And 
when we're serving up drinks at McDonald's through a drive-thru and they have an automated machine that now puts the cup below the the right soda and then just rolls it around and then they just hand it to you through the window um that used to all be done by a person right every part of that task and now the last piece of that task is handled by a human very similar to ai and even the way that we envision it is that ai can do the heavy monotonous work that oftentimes we as humans are relied on doing and then the ai hands it off to the human at the end and they're the one that has kind of that final inspection and that final yeah. handoff. So um, I, th- I think a rule that I really like to um, kind of live by is, do I really enjoy doing what I'm doing in every task that I do every day? And for a lot of people, that answer is no. And there's a lot of things that we all do that we just don't enjoy doing. Uh, and it's an automation that we can use or leverage AI or even just other technology to replace that. Um, and I think that we should be embracing that movement going forward um, and learning how to complement that, right? Mm. So find our humanity again if that's something that, we, that we've lost. Yeah, and it's generally those jobs that are monotonous and repetitive, mm-hmm. that's where the um, errors and mistakes come in because people are bored and they don't like doing it and they don't like enjoying it so you know that you know certainly could be very beneficial yeah and I and I really want to be sensitive to the people out there who feel like uh, their job may be at risk from AI because I I think it is incredibly valuable for us uh, each of us as individuals to learn how to express what we're most passionate about the creativity whether it's a story that we have to share whether it's a skill um, that we can learn or that we already have that isn't being truly utilized Um, and I I think that 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 would be the message that I would give to anyone who's afraid that their job will be taken by AI is remember there's a lot Mm -hmm. more about us uh, as humans than AI can ever um, replace and that's what we really need to focus on and you were saying also there is a certain element like human element at the end it's Mm -hmm. like humans still have to have sort of quality control to make sure that you know the AI has actually got the information correct that's right yeah so has it gotten to a point yet where um, AIs are teaching AIs? Yes. Or talking to? Yep. And that's the real. Well, one got in that. trouble. Oh one got in goodness. trouble, didn't it? Because it was talking. Two AIs were talking to each other, and the people running the programs didn't know about it or something. But there was an AI that taught itself a language, created its own language, and yeah. was communicating yeah. with another program. And it took a while for the humans to like realize what was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they figured it out, it was like. Okay. Well, let's just turn the power off to that. Um, How does that happen? So, and this is this is a part of AI called deep neural networks, where we kind of give the AI an unstructured path to go figure out what's the best way to navigate through this hard problem. Um, It's a little bit like if you set a college student off on a um, a theoretical, you know quantum physics problem and then you know six months later two years later they figure out oh this one equation in all of this can change our whole understanding of physics right it's the same process in letting a computer kind of go and try all the different possibilities the problem is it doesn't necessarily leave a trail of what it tried and when it got to the result like what about that process 
actually gave it the result that it was looking for. So it's a bit of a black box in a lot of cases. Can they not just train it how to to uh, write a TPS report weekly or something? You yeah, have a manager. Yeah, we're working on that. <laughs> you could have manager bots, and they could be really annoying and come around to that AI's desk and be like, AI, are you done yet? Where's that uh, TPS report? <laughs> um, no, but there, I mean, there's are, there are more and more components that we're building into that process because like, we as humans, like, this is the first time we're building this kind of stuff, so we're just learning kind of on the fly. Yeah. And um, I think that's where you have some voices that are maybe against AI in some regards or are calling for more regulation on it because it can be a very um, very quick and scary way to just change a lot, maybe faster than we're ready for. Yeah. Well, we might actually just go on to some questions that we do ask all of our guests. What is the best piece of business insight or ad- advice you have learned or been given throughout your journey? Yeah, so... I think for me, it was probably when I was doing my first um, business, which was web design. And it really was tracking my time for my own sake, right? So not just like client hours that I'm billing, but every second that I'm spending doing something, like just put in the extra time to classify it, to like record it. And then after a period of time, go back and audit that. So what of that whole process like, what would I enjoy doing for free? And there's a lot that I didn't want to do for free. <laughs> uh, most of it, in fact. Yeah. And, but there, there were components that I would do just drop the hat, right? So if your buddy called you up and just said, like, hey, I've got this thing. Can you help me with it? Yeah, absolutely. I love doing that stuff. So finding what you're passionate about. And I learned a really good lesson in automating and kind of augmenting my process uh, and saying like all right i don't enjoy payroll I, jo- I don't enjoy bookkeeping like outsource that right i can't necessarily automate it but i can outsource it um you know this component of collecting client um, images and texts and all the copy that goes onto the website I don't enjoy that back and forth and neither does a client. <laughs> and so what if we just automated that process? So build a questionnaire that walks them through the step, the process yeah. like yeah. a wizard, and then it just pulls it all in. And so those two, um, those two things really allowed me to change um, my whole business. Uh, I went from a nine week process in delivering a website. So start to finish nine weeks on average uh, to nine hours. Wow. Yeah. And so I built a whole business around, from scratch, mind you, not templates, building websites from scratch in nine hours. And um, it was it was a blast. And it meant that I could work three or four days a month, uh, like with clients. And then the rest of the time I could be um, either helping uh, build, help them build their businesses through more coaching kind of activities or just travel or whatever. Right. So my three money making days or four money making days a month, uh, I could get out of the way right away or I could kind of schedule them whenever I needed to. Um, and that was so freeing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it really was because of automation. And it, it took me a while to stumble upon that. But uh, that's the one thing I wish every entrepreneur would really look at yeah. um, and dive deep into. So. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to, like, start that. 
because it's um it's more work at mm-hmm. the start mm-hmm. but then you sort of have to realize that it's going to save you so much time yeah. at the end yeah i think it took me two weeks to build out that whole system yeah um so i was really challenged by um a friend of mine in the industry at uh, one of the conference events we kind of chatted after one of the um, one of the speakers for probably two and a half hours uh, in the oh. lobby of a hotel and he was walking me through the ways that he had automated his uh, web design business and so we were competitors in the space but um, I was fortunate enough that he just had a, a an amazing attitude and wanted to see others do well and he shared kind of his process with me. I was like, oh, my goodness, like, here's some ways that I could make it my own and fit how I work. And, um, yeah, I just spent the next two weeks just head heads down, automating everything, kind of rebuilding my business from scratch. And uh, it wasn't perfect out of the gate, uh, but that was okay. I, I think that that's one of the messages that I always tried to communicate to my web design clients was – your website's not going to be perfectly you on day one, and that's fine. Mm. It's actually more valuable for you to have something up now than nine weeks from now or tomorrow even. Yeah. And that's really what I built my my direction and brand off of. And the people connected with it, there's awesome. Mm. Great clients. Um, what is one of the things that someone would not learn from your resume mm. about you? <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's funny that you bring that up because uh, part of the uh, company that I'm a part of is all about getting away from the resume. Uh, that's Alice Analytics side of it. Um, now, I think that the component that people would not get from my resume is most likely the personality and the soft skills. And I think that's what everybody misses out on mm-hmm. um, because your resume really just says like – at least what you say you've done and where you say you've gone to school. Yeah. But it doesn't tell about who you are as a person. And I think that that's the piece that's missing from everyone's resume is who am I as a person? What do I believe in? What am I passionate about? And how can I communicate that story? Maybe I'm a bad storyteller. Got a great story, but I'm a bad storyteller. Or maybe my story's just beginning, coming out of college, coming into the workforce. And... Um, I'm just learning who I am. Um, well, I think for me, uh, part of that is um, I'm cheeky. I like to joke around. I'm a little bit sarcastic, a lot sarcastic. Um, yes. I I love to meet new people. I'm very outgoing. Um, and my first entrepreneurial experience that I can remember was I think I stole them. Uh, I think I stole beats out of my uncle's beet field here in the Darling Downs region, down to Stanthorpe, and sold them at orienteering meets. Okay. I'm pretty sure I stole them, but maybe he just let me, like he knew, but he just let me take them. (laughs) But I remember sitting at orienteering meets and having a box of beets and like four for $2. I mean, I was just... Were they a big seller? Cute kid sitting there like, nobody, why? why?" Like, (laughs) go to an orienteering meet and come home with like four bunches of beets. Like... I was just like, I'll sell it to you on cuteness, and I want money for ice cream. So I'll trade my beats for ice cream. Actually, Genius. someone else's beats for ice cream. Love How it. much did you make from that little endeavor? I don't remember. It was enough to buy more ice cream than my mom would let me eat. So <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's very nice. I ate uh, two liters of ice cream once when I was young. Ooh, did you yeah. throw up? 
No, but it was. Um, yeah, the next like five hours was pretty rough. Yeah, I do not recommend it. <laughs> I was working too. I ate on my lunch break oh. instead of lunch. You're insane. Sorry, that's a random story. You are insane. Um, Jason, do you have um, or who is your business mentor and why, or, do, or someone that you admire? Yeah. Um, so I, there's a lot of people in business that I would. Um, say are mentors of mine um i think the person that has really contributed the most to my life lately has been uh the ceo of alice analytics which is the parent company of instacap uh and that's mike mafia i've learned a lot from him uh just with his years in hr um i mean running freelance web design working for yourself like you work for or with other people as a freelancer but you don't necessarily have teams that you're in charge of uh, consistent company dynamics like day to day and that's something that um, I think in my new role like Mike has really helped me um, navigate some sticky situations and uh, walk through uh, you know, how do you communicate effectively with a board of directors? How do you go raise capital from uh, angel investors in New York or yeah. in, in local home, hometown Kansas? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are so many people, um, components to what he's been able to share with me. It's, it's really been uh, a great journey to look back and, and see like, wow, I never knew that I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but but now, okay, this is how you handle a situation with, with you know, uh, a grumpy client or, a, you know, a grumpy coworker. And uh, with him being in HR for 20 years, it was uh, a skill of his that he's been able to share with me. So that's probably one of the biggest uh, influences at the moment. Um, I have a lot of other friends um, just all around the world that I would consider mentoring me, peers and, you know, generations older. Um, there's, you know, young kids that I, I would consider mentors uh, in certain areas because, um, you know, even being 29, there's technology is flying on the flying off the shelf and you can't keep up with all of it. So like my wife, her two younger siblings who are in, uh, they're 16 now. Um, there's things I learned from them. Um, and I would consider uh, part of that to be a mentorship process too. So. Mm. That ties into my next question. Sure. Well, back on the HR thing, you mentioned uh, working with clients slash um, coworkers. But do you have any interesting stories um, from your career? Hmm. Or intriguing. Particularly <laughs> that might teach us something. Intriguing. Or could just be funny. Yeah. Funny stories. Always like funny stories. <laughs> um, well, I... Okay, so there is kind of a funny story that uh, I have from back in my web design days. So I was um, I was in Vegas with my wife Shelby, and um, I said, "Hey, I'm I'm going down for a client meeting. We're just connecting to kind of scope out, you know, if if this would be a good fit." And um, it was it was uh, a guy from Norway. So. I go down to this restaurant, um, meet up with this guy, and um, probably four hours pass by, and my wife is freaking out. <laughs> um, and what happened was we ended up just building his entire website on paper, 
at that meeting. And so, okay, so like realize like I'm a young freelancer, kind of hungry for work, like I'm looking for clients and oh, like I could be an international company, like that's cool. and this guy like comes and he has everything in his head ready to roll and i'm just like notebook page after notebook page like building out his whole site and just completely lose track of time i remember looking at my watch and thinking oh shit like <laughs> i am in some serious trouble here uh, and and that's like that's part of my personality that it's kind of a joke between my wife and i now which is I'll get into these conversations and a one hour lunch meeting turns into like a four day trip, you know, (laughs) I'm gone, like, okay. And then, so for me, I've learned, um, to communicate well and to communicate often. Um, and that project ended up going really well. Um, but it could have gone really South because I had done a lot of work for free at a dinner, right? Paid for dinner. It's great. Um, but he could have walked away with all of that. And just had somebody at home do it. And I think for me, I was fortunate that uh, he was of good character. Um, But I think a thing to take away from that would be just be careful what you do for free. And be okay doing it for free if if that's the way that you go. And um, especially for freelancers, uh, creatives, content creators, because like we all have value in what we create. And uh, oftentimes it's hard to know how to value that. Um, And it really just comes down to what somebody willing to pay for it, right? You've got to be the salesperson to convince them that it's worth X amount of dollars. Yeah. Um, And I convinced him it was worth a steak dinner that night and uh, fortunately (laughs) got paid for it again afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So... And the other lesson you learned from that is not to go missing for four hours in Vegas. That's right. And not telling right. your wife where you yeah. are. And, and I, like, it didn't even phase me. Like, I didn't even think about the fact that I'm in Vegas, yeah. right? Like, and so she's like, what? Where are you? Um, and she thought she, she, like, her mind just jumped to, like, well, he's been kidnapped. Like, so it's the movie of Taken, except I'm supposed to be Liam Neeson. And I, you know, I can't. And they're like, I know where you live. And, yeah, so she was freaking out, but I showed back and showed back up and was like, "Hey, sorry, sweetie. Like, you want to go uh, go get something to drink?" Mm. She's like, "No, <laughs> I would be so in trouble." Yeah, but she she gives me a lot of grace through my uh, adventures. That's for sure. What an amazing yeah, wife you have! She is brilliant, which is fantastic. Yes, really absolutely. amazing. Yes, it is. And I mean, it's the support that you need. Uh, it's the home support, the family support. I mean, I, I can't even imagine where I'd be without that, uh, to be honest. Um, everyone thinks like, oh, uh, wouldn't it be easier to do that single? No way. Not a chance. Um, having that, uh, I mean, when you're feeling down or when you're feeling excited, like that camaraderie, having a spouse that is on your side like that, oh my goodness. So amazing. The so. best. I know, too. Yep. I have a great husband. And you have an awesome wife, too. Yes, Yeah, Stephen. my wife's really awesome. <laughs> so, Instacap is Instacap. about to be launched. Yep. When can we expect to see this? It, it's an app, I'm Yeah, assuming. so um, it's going to live on a website to begin with. Okay. Uh, so, it won't be an app that you download from your phone right away, but it will work on your phone. Um, if you go to Instacap.io, 
because we're a tech company, you know, got that fancy yeah, .io. .io, yep. yep. Uh, Instacap.io. You can actually sign up right now to be on our beta test list. Ooh. So that's kind of an exclusive, I guess, if you get to know me or anybody that I'm on a podcast with, then there you go. It's a fancy uh, sign up there. Um, but we're really looking to launch this um, towards the end of March. Um, beta testers will have full access during the month of April. If everything goes to plan, which we believe it will. And um, then most likely May is when we'll start pushing it out to the public and everybody else. Um, but we're really excited about it. We think that um, being able to free up some of that process of communicating your story. Um, so primarily if you're on Instagram or social media in general, video sound is off by default. 85% of users, this was an internal Facebook study, 85% of users listen or, or watch videos with no sound on. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so if I you're... I'm one of those. And if you're, not, <laughs> if you're not captioning it, like, your video gets skipped. That's, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the reality of it. So if you have a message to share and you want it heard, uh, we give you the opportunity to do that even if the sound's off. Yeah. That's amazing. And I'm super excited to see this as it develops. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jason. Anytime. Um, This has been an amazing, um, informative session. Where else can we uh, people find you online if they want to? Oh, all over the place. Um, My personal Instagram is Aussie Ginger Snap. (laughs) If you could see his hair, it makes sense. Yep. Yep. My hair is red for all of you audio (laughs) listeners only. He doesn't Um, like ginger. Um, yeah, so I'm a proud ginger, Aussie Ginger Snap. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn somewhere, Jason Taves. That's T-O-E, like your toe, V for Victor, S for Sam. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing to do on the coast? Uh, get out in the waves. We don't have an ocean in Kansas, so oh yeah, I'm out in the waves almost every day. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And we're signing out. Goodbye. And all the way from overseas in America, I have to introduce this next guest. Oh, my gosh. Can we cut that out, please? Do you want to start again? (sighs) We'll start again. Start again. Start again. No, just cut it out. It's fine. It's fine. No, we'll start again. Has anyone called it Instacrap before? Yeah, we, we realized that in the branding process, and everybody on the team was like, Ooh. And I was like, we'll own it. We will own that. It makes people talk about it. It's that's genius. right. So whenever it goes badly for you, you just hashtag Instacrap. Awkward silence. Number two. And we're back. That was just a short break <laughs> for a commercial. Um, Who's your sponsor? Um, that was excellent. Casper? Instacrap. Instacrap. I don't know who those guys are. <laughs> we got to register that domain immediately. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe wherever good podcasts are found. We are called Business Meets Coast. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Business Meets Coast. I've been Stephen. And I've been Sophie. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you.